Doctor. I'm a Time Lord. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Castelbert. I hope the ears are a bit less conspicuous this time. You might be a Doctor, but I am... I'm a doctor. That's probably not the one you expect. Absolutely fantastic. All of time and space, everything that ever happened or ever will. Where do you want to start? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Bigger on the Inside, the new Who Doctor Who Watch Along podcast. Sorry for that growl. I just made my chair. Uh, with me, as always, is Harry Murdoch. Hi, Harry. How are you doing? I'm all right. Here I am, as always. Great stuff. Um, we'll go through the news, and then later on you'll be able to hear us talk about um, Rise of the Cyberman and Age of Steel, the second... Is this the first two-parter of the series? I think it is, isn't it? Yes, yes it is. It is the first of three two-parters in the series. That's right. Um, so I'll start with last week, where we have talked about Russell T. Davies wanting Doctor Who to get slightly more ambitious, in the sense that he thinks there should be like a Doctor Who multiverse sort of MCU style thing. We did a video on it on the channel if people haven't caught up with that yet. Um, following on from Russell, he's thrown the name Ollie Alexandra um, who is currently in It's a Sin. He thinks he would make a great next Doctor. What do you think of that? Was he the main guy in It's a Sin? Yeah, he's like, um, yeah, he's the main guy. The name escapes me of his character. But yeah, yeah, I think yeah. No, I've watched all of it as a sin. It's really good, and he's great in it. Um, I think he suddenly has the acting capability. I guess the one thing is he looks really quite young. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I'm mean, only two episodes. I'm two episodes into the series, so I haven't really been able to sort of see his acting chops yet. But if he's a good actor, and I can see it, but I do feel like he's, he looks too young. I think he's in his 30s, like, but he does look yeah, too young. Yeah, by the end of the series, um, he's, I think he's at least 30 by the end. Although, he looks younger than 30. He looks kind of 20s to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, that didn't stop Matt Smith. Like, everyone joked about how Matt Smith looked 12 when he got the role. Yeah, but um, I feel like Matt Smith had that I, sort of quality that made him look older, whereas Ollie is just... He just is baby face, whereas Matt Smith had sort of old eyes, if that makes sense. No, I know what you mean. Like, Matt Smith was kind of the first actor I saw playing the Doctor, where he said he was hundreds of years old, and I I really believed it. Like, you got that sense that he'd been around for that long. I mean, yeah. maybe uh, Alexander has the ability to also do that, but we'll have to wait and see if he does get cast. I mean, it's... By far not the most outrageous suggestion I've heard for the next Doctor. No, there's some really naff ones out there. Um, moving on, uh, this isn't really news, it's just an article I came across on Screen Rant the other day. Um, they have a theory that Yaz has been replaced by an alien. Um, could, could I get some elaboration on that? Uh, you can do. So the first point is that Yaz was acting out of character in Doctor Who Season 12. Whilst there were hints to um, instability in Yaz's personality going all the way back to her first appearance in the show, Yaz's biggest change occurred during the opening of Season 12. While the Doctor and Graham were in Australia with a secret agent O, they are attacked by um, illuminated aliens, um, with the first one to enter the house being Yaz. So 
I don't know, I guess they think Yaz has been taken over by Lillian. Another point is, Yaz cut herself from her, Yaz cut herself off from her family and her job. Um, what else? What other reasons do they have? Yaz has been, yep, that's, we've already said that one. And what's, what Yaz being an alien would mean for Doctor Who? So the basic only real reason is that uh, she just hasn't mentioned her, her, her family or a job. I have to be honest, I don't feel like there's enough strong evidence to support this theory. It no, sounds I don't either. like a rather tenuous argument. It's an interesting one. Like I don't know when when was the last time we had an alien companion was Nardal, was it? Uh yes. Yeah it was, yeah. Which I mean actually that wasn't that long ago. But for the most part in Doctor Who and especially in New Who we've only had human modern day companions so to have something a bit different like an alien or something i'd like to see is a a a period um companion like a companion from a time period which isn't modern day yeah i think either of those would be interesting to see um so it's something i'd be very open to seeing in the future but as for yaz i really do not think that's a direction they're taking her, especially with kind of the way they're fleshing her out in stuff such as um, Revolution of the Daleks. It would be a cool reveal, I think, to say... I always quite like that idea of this character isn't who you think and this is when they changed. It doesn't necessarily work with straight-up main characters, but with side characters like Yaz, it would be a really good inclusion, I feel. With the way they've been treating Yaz, though, I'm very doubtful. Yeah. Just because uh, of talk- that bond that she has with the Doctor. Yeah. Um, I've got another Series 13 rumour here for you as well. I have no evidence to support this. I just saw some uh, fairly reliable source on Twitter tweet it out. Um, they suggest that the TARDIS will be dying throughout Series 13 and that the Doctor is in a constant mission to fix her up and get her back to work in order. Okay, what's... um. Is there any kind of like set photos or anything for this, or is it just kind of a script leak? Uh, it's just kind of a story leak, I think, or a story suggestion. Personally, I think that's quite a fun idea. Um, I know when Pertwee first took over the role, he was earthbound for his first series at least. Um, so I think that would be quite a fun inclusion to suddenly have the Doctor trapped on Earth. Hmm. Especially since yeah, a lot of these stories that I've particularly enjoyed are often the ones that are set on Earth. They seem to be the more fun ones. Yeah, people... I know my brother, uh, his favourite episodes of Doctor Who were always the ones that were kind of in modern-day contemporary. I think maybe it's just because for us it's kind of easier to kind of latch onto that. It's more identifiable. Although I've always been a big fan of uh, kind of the period uh, historicals, Yeah. Um, personally. Um, well, so I mean, I'd be lying if I said... Go on. I'd be lying if I said I wouldn't miss that element a bit if the TARDIS was dying and somehow kind of handicapped in its abilities of what it could do. Um, although, um, it would be an interesting change of pace. I think it would be interesting, yeah. it's like I feel like the TARDIS is a character that's never really explored. Apart from obviously that amazing Neil Gaiman episode, which we'll get to when we get to. But... I always feel like there's no real story around it. It's just kind of... this, You know, like in Back to the Future, like the DeLorean is almost a character and it plays an important part of the story in each film, whereas the TARDIS just seems to be 
the lynch it, it, does, it doesn't seem to sometimes have that much relevance to the story it's just a means and an ends to get somewhere I feel like the TARDIS is more character than the DeLorean the DeLorean is now of quite a functional machine but the TARDIS is very much it's been quite explicitly said that the TARDIS is alive oh, yeah. and that it regenerates like the Doctor does well, okay, um, maybe what I mean then is like actual stories surrounding the TARDIS. There isn't, to my knowledge. Okay. You wish. You'd like some more stories that are actually about the TARDIS itself. Yeah, I feel it just to add a bit more history and a bit more add to the mythology of it would be slightly more exciting. Like, hmm. I know my, I go back to my Back to the Future reference, but. You look at all three of those movies and the time machine plays such an important part in that. The time travel elements mm. in those films are massively important where it sometimes seems that the actual element of time travel in Doctor Who isn't that important apart from just getting characters to a certain place. Like, once they yeah, get there, true. the time travel isn't important anymore. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of... I'm in two minds about this. Um, because, yeah, kind of... Throughout most of Doctor Who, the TARDIS and the time travel and the TARDIS has all kind of been kind of a means to an end. Mm. Um, it's very much been kind of a functional storytelling kind of mechanic to allow the Doctor to go anywhere and do anything. But then the stories itself, it rarely serves a purpose. Kind of the main exceptions I can think of is a lot of the stories which Stephen Moffat wrote. Uh, he very much leaned into the possibilities of time travel and what that could do and how he could use time travel in the stories. And whilst that definitely works sometimes, such as in, say, Blink, Blink is a prime example, Yeah, I feel like if you overuse it, it kind of starts to make... Like, there are so many overly complicated time travel plots you know there are so many stories which introduce time travel and it makes things really confusing as a storytelling device and brings up questions like look at something like top of my head um the last avengers film used time introduced time travel and they had to spend ages just explaining how their version of time travel worked yeah and just to get you on board with it i still don't so fully in a way, understand I feel how like, it works <laughs> I mean, I mean, to me, I feel like if you were to overuse time travel, it would uh, take away from kind of the charm of Doctor Who and its appeal. Although, you know, if it's used for the occasional story, I'd be down. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. Yeah, I'm not talking like a full series worth of it, but like just maybe a yeah. nice two two part time travel story would be great fun. Hmm. Mm. But as in, by time travel story, you mean a story that uses the time travel. Yeah, not just one where they travel in time and then they yeah. stay there for 45 minutes and they leave. Yeah. I want to see them yeah. traveling well, f- yeah. through time multiple times in a relevant story. I have to be honest, I think my main apprehension is probably the Series 6 opener. Uh, the two-parter, Impossible Astronaut, and what was the second part called? Um. Oh, yeah. I, I can't remember. Yeah, but I think for me, that was a story that really leaned into the time travel element and I personally found it a bit too much and I found it started to find it a bit alienating which you know Doctor Who he's an alien <laughs> but joking <laughs> aside I just fear about getting an excess of stories that use time travel in that way and prove to be 
potentially alienating for audience members such as myself, who can struggle to keep up with what's going on. Well, maybe Doctor Who, maybe Doctor Who's just too clever and intelligent for you. Maybe you don't understand it because you just you just just a child and you don't understand this this, this clever science show. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I am. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe I'm just a bit of a uh, I was going to say, whilst I'm talking Doctor Who, what a, sh- what a rubbish segue. Alex Kingston. Speaking Alex- of Doctor Who. <laughs> Alex Kingston would love to appear in an on screen Doctor Who episode with John Barrowman. Yeah. Why hasn't that happened yet? Uh, I, I generally don't know. I'm just trying to find a quote here from Kingston. I've done a big finish audio with John Barrowman but he wasn't physically in the room with me, she told RadioTiles.com and other press. So I would love to do another adventure with Captain Jack, and I would love actually... And I would actually love to do it on screen with John. Um, I, I'm, I so enjoy playing the role. She so translates... And she translates into audio extremely well. Um, yeah, well, they should meet because they obviously have some history because yeah. they share a vortex manipulator. Hmm, and they both have quite a personal relationship to the Doctor. You know, uh, River is married to the Doctor, and Jack is very flirtatious towards pretty much every <laughs> Doctor that he's encountered. I mean, I think the dynamic there between those three very strong characters would be great. The only reason I can think that it never happened when. River Song was on the show. Is that kind of during Moffat's run? River Song pretty much took the position that Captain Jack took. Yeah. In terms th- of kind of a temporary, sometimes appearing companion. I think there was some behind the scenes stuff as well with Moffat and Barrowman, where I don't think Moffat was maybe too keen on Torchwood or Captain Jack, even though he sort of created the character. There was just some. Uh, I remember reading something about John saying that the reason Jack hasn't returned is basically because of Moffat. I'll just see if I can find that now. Is John Barrowman not a fan of Stephen Moffat? John Barrowman and Stephen Moffat. I'm just having a look. Um, that's Reddit. I don't want to read that. Stephen Moffat is a little cross with John Barrowman. Here we go. Um, Stephen Moffat is a little cross with John Barrowman after suggestions he's blocking the Torchwood revival. Um, looks like things are getting a little heated in the world of Doctor Who and it's very spin-offs just a few days after former star John Barrowman told RadioTimes.com that certain egos were preventing his spin-off series Torchwood returning to TV and then went on to hint that outgoing Doctor Who showrunner Stephen Moffat could be one of the said egos Moffat has spoken out and he is not happy you may be aware that John Barrowman has been saying publicly that I've been blocking the new series of Torchwood, the Doctor Who head writer said in a statement on Doctor Who News. Um, To be very clear, I haven't blocked it. I wouldn't block it. I wouldn't even be able to block it. I don't even know... I didn't even know a revival had been mooted till I read about it on the internet. As John perfectly well knows, I am... It's not my show, and I could not prevent it from happening. Uh, prevent it happening that it could cancel... What the hell? As John perfectly well knows, it's not my show, and I could no more prevent it happening than I, than he could cancel Sherlock. Okay. I am bewildered and a little cross even to be included in this conversation. For the record, I really like the show, especially the third series, and would be very happy to see more Monsters and Mayhem. Why not? 
but the fact is, it has nothing to do with me. Please pass this on to the anxious and the angry. I've had enough hate mail now. Ooh, what do you think of that? Yikes. Sounds like being Doctor Who showrunner is a bit of a thankless job. Harry, I can't hear you. Really? I was just saying it sounds like being Doctor Who... Can you hear me now? now I can't hear Harry. Can you not hear me? Harry. Tim? Tim? Well, at least you'll have... um... Harry. I can't hear you. What about now? You muted yourself. Tim, no, I'm not muted. I'm not muted. I so well as well. Hang up and I'll call him back. Uh, Tim. Hello, Tim? Where'd he go? Okay, everyone. I have a... Lost connection with Tim. I was able to hear him, but he evidently could not hear Maybe me. Maybe he's found out. Uh, oh, he's answering back. Hello? Hello, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, you disappeared. I couldn't hear you. I could hear you throughout that whole thing. Um, you could or you couldn't. Okay. Um, do we need to get back to what I was saying? Uh, yeah, basically, I asked you, what do you think of Stephen no, Moffat? I, I, heard, I, heard ev- I heard everything you said. Don't worry. Okay, go for it. Um, basically, I would just to say that it sounds like being the showrunner for Doctor Who can at times be a pretty thankless task. It sounds like a lot of people um, seem to assume you have more power or influence than you really have, and that a lot of blame is put on you for anything related to or adjacent to Doctor Who. Yeah, I suppose. I wonder how much control like Moffat has over Doctor Who. Like, is it just the show he's in charge of? Or like, I think it's just the how... show because. Sorry, go on. My understanding is that uh, the spin-offs like Sarah Jane Adventures and um, Torchwood were and continue to be fronted by Russell. Mm. Well, so I, I don't know anymore. Cause that, they, well, I wouldn't say continue because they're not on anymore, but yeah. I I'd, mean, even after... Because I know that Sarah Jane went on for a bit after um, Stephen Moffat took over as showrunner, didn't it? It did, yeah. And I imagine it was Russell who was heading that, helming that. I'm not sure how much involvement he had. I think he sort of dis- started to move on slightly towards the end. I'm sure wasn't there like a, like an episode with Matt Smith in it that Russell wrote? Yeah, I want to do a thing on that when we get closer to that. When we get chronologically next to that, we'll definitely do a video on that. Yeah, so it's, I mean, I found that interesting that Russell moved away from Doctor Who, the main show, but then continued to be involved with the spin-offs but anyway i feel like that's digressing um um in other news still on alex kingston she says she's sure river song will meet the ninth doctor in future doctor who audio adventures um alex kingston has has returned for a new series of audio adventures with big finish and now the river song star has set her sights on eventually teaming up with another former star of the sci-fi series Kingston has revealed that she would love to work with a Knife Doctor actor, Christopher Eccleston, whose return to Doctor Who franchise was confirmed last year on a feature on a future audio story. Um, I'm just trying to find a quote here. And she even went on to say that she was positive it would happen at some point, telling RadioTimes.com and other press, I'm sure that will happen. I've met Chris a couple at a couple of conventions, so I mean, I'm absolutely sure that will happen. That's exciting, right? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of inevitable, considering that in uh, River Song's final TV appearance, she did the whole thing with opening up 
the what was it a wallet or something filled with yeah. photos of all 12 doctors up to that point so it's the president has already been set for um river song to meet the ninth doctor so it really is just a matter of time i think it's something that a lot of fans would love as well sort of i i often feel that the eccleston series pardon me is often set aside from what continued from series two onwards there's very few callbacks to that first series so this would be a great bridge binding between the two i feel Mm, absolutely i mean that's a good point the only real callbacks i can think of to that series specifically is say bad wolf um the face of Bo, and uh that one time David Tent said, are you on my mummy? Oh, yeah, he did, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I think it would be cool but, to yeah. sort of really sort of bring that back and sort of say, yeah, guess yeah. what? It's still included. Now even though that it obviously is. Eccleston is. Yeah. Now that Eccleston is back in the loop, it would be good to kind of see the Ninth Doctor and everything that that series entailed being more kind of wholly integrated into the rest of the show and embraced yeah. now that it, they kind of can. It, it must be hard at Big Finish not to get Eccleston on board and basically do everything that everybody wants in one go and sort of, sort of okay, you've got to ease Eccleston into it before we go. Yeah. Now we're going to do a story with Alex Kingston. And guess what? Now you're going to do a, an audio adventure with Tom Baker and then David Tennant. Do you know what I mean? They've got Can to you... so- spread that out. Can you picture Eccleston doing that? Can you envisage Eccleston doing Big Finish crossovers? I can't, and that's one of that's one thing I wanted to bring up on this is, is this just going to be a one-and-done thing? Is he just going to do this one series of audio adventures and that's it? Or is he going to do several, like Tenant has? Um, I hope it isn't the last we see of Eccleston involved in the show, but I feel like my gut tells me that it was kind of a right time, right place, i.e. nationwide lockdown, not yeah. much work going on. Yeah, let's do Big Finish. 100%. That's kind of what... That's what my gut tells me, that this series of stories will kind of be a one-and-done thing for Chris, and as soon as he can get back to acting work, TV work, that's where he'd much rather be. Oh, 100%. There's other work he would much rather do than do this, I feel. But then again, who's to say? Maybe he has to sign a certain contract that says, okay, you agree to do these, but you also have to heavily consider future stories, or maybe he's already signed up for future adventures that have yet to be written or produced. We'll have to see, we'll have to see. I mean, I feel what will really kind of make up Chris's mind is how he kind of, how much he enjoys this experience, and... We don't really know much yet about how Chris feels about it because my understanding is that he's still, you know, recording these stories. Um, he did. Nicholas Briggs did an interview where he mentioned that Chris was enjoying it and that he, the character came back to him very quickly. But then we saw him on Lorraine where he did not speak fondly of working in live action Doctor Who and the idea of returning to live action Doctor Who was, you know, the fair, was probably the last thing on earth he'd ever want to do. I mean, perhaps with the uh, passage of time, 15 years, and uh, the different formats, maybe working in audio is a lot less stressful than working um, on a TV set. Yeah. And perhaps now that he's had time to kind of see how beloved his doctor is, um, 
perhaps kind of he feels very differently about the show in general. So who knows, maybe he'll come out of this with a very positive feeling. I hope so. I really do hope so. I've got fingers crossed. Yeah. I feel like as a fan, uh, there's certain things that Doctor Who fans secretly want, and one of them is just for Christopher Eccleston to... I think he does realise how important that role is to so many people, but people want to Mm. be able to say that he enjoys it and that he is enjoying it still. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, but I feel like that's something we won't find out until, like, the release of these stories, or a little before. Yeah. Uh, You mentioned it there, the stress of working on Doctor Who, uh, which leads me on to my last bit of news before we go into the podcast, and that is Billy Piper has talked about the possible return of Rose Tyler to Doctor Who. Uh, One of the biggest stars of the Russell T. Davis era of Doctor Who recently made a high-profile return to the show, with John Barrowman reprising his role as Captain Jack for the festive special Revolution of the Daleks after a brief cameo in Series 12. But another popular companion from the mid-2000s, Billy Piper, has now ruled out returning to the beloved sci-fi programme. The actress who starred as Rose Tyler said that she wouldn't go back to Doctor Who. Um, I've got to see if I can find a quote here. Um, I wouldn't go back. It's a great role, um, but you're away from your kids for a long time. My experience was that you were in Wales for nine months solid, and as a job, it dominates your life. It's mainstream family viewing, so you can't really escape it. It feels like it makes you very, very famous. Here's... Um, okay. But, yeah. So what the, I the sort statement? of feel like maybe when she was asked that question, she didn't understand how much involvement Barrowman had had. Maybe she realised that he had been in season 12 and thought he'd been in it throughout. But I think what the interviewer, or what fans at least would like, is just rose to appear for a special like Jack did. That's pretty much what I was going to say. I was going to say what Billy was talking about there was returning in the context of doing a full series. Although I feel like what fans would expect if she were to return would just be a one-off or maybe a two-part special at the most, which would be a much smaller commitment. Although that being said, even if she did that, there would probably be a big media circus around it and she'd be back in the spotlight and maybe yeah. that's something she referred to there and maybe that's something which even despite possibly being on set less is still a commitment she doesn't feel she's in a place to take on yeah, and, you know, I, wanna... I yeah. can't blame her Billy's in a very different place in her career now to where she was when she did Doctor Who she's you know she had that series on her Sky uh, which has been very well received yeah. um, I imagine that'll get a follow up and I imagine that's probably where she wants to focus her creative energy right now. I mean, she also did return to the role in Big Finish. She did audio adventures with Tenon and then did her own spin-off um, story set on the parallel Earth. Maybe, I imagine that this isn't the very last we will see of Billy Piper as Rose Tyler in, in, in some form, in some medium. Uh, we will see her again. I can almost put money on it that she will return to Big Finish yeah. in some form or another. If you have Tennant and you have Eccleston, you're going to at some point have Rose in there as well. And maybe well, for the like... main show, I'm not sure about the return of a cameo. Personally, I know a slight divergent here. In the New Year special where Jack mentions Rose, the Doctor does not react. She doesn't 
go all sad and mopey like Tennant and Smith did. She she just carries on with the Yaz and Ryan stuff. And it makes me think that maybe the Doctor has actually moved on from Rose because it has been thousands and thousands of years for that character. It's only been yeah, 10, I mean, 10 to 15 for us, but for the Doctor, like she was in that prison for 500 years. Yeah. And the Doctor could have only travelled with Rose for a year or two at the most. So considering that in the time frame, yeah, it would make sense that by that point the Doctor had moved on from Rose. Um, yeah. Although I imagine if she did come back um that it would be made to be this kind of big emotional moment although i don't imagine i can't imagine if rose did return she would have romantic feelings for a doctor which wasn't her doctor i mean we saw how she reacted when um eccleston uh regenerated into tenant i don't imagine you know we can't guarantee she would immediately take to whoever is the doctor at yeah. the point in which she could potentially return I know some people might disagree with that, but each Doctor has a different personality, and she fell in love with the personality of 9 and 10. But I know people are going to go, well, can't she fall in love with another personality? From a logistics point of view, the reason she still fancied the 10th Doctor is because that was probably still meant to be Chris. And from a story point of view, it would have just been more endless writing for them. to. It would have been easier for the writers just to go, okay, she still fancied the Doctor. Actually, I actually heard an interesting... Uh theory about the doctor's regenerations and the theory is that the doctor regenerates into kind of whoever they need to be at that point yeah so the reason eccleston transformed into tenant kind of a younger more attractive charismatic man is because that's that would have appealed to rose and then um tenant who was towards the end quite a melancholic melancholic angsty um figure turned into and very emotional transformed into matt smith whose doctor was much more kind of disconnected and alien so he could cope better yeah i've kind of heard i imagine you can make those connections with a lot of the doctors yeah Um, no definitely yeah i suppose when you then look at it through peter sorry from matt to capaldi with clara there was a I don't think it was ever fully said but i know capaldi's doctor says to clara i'm not your boyfriend anymore so there was mm. some element of a love interest between Eleven and Clara. But then when In Twelve way, comes almost... along, it's completely gone. Yeah. In a way, that's almost the opposite to um, Eccleston to Tennant. Anyway, yeah. perhaps it's a thing of like the Doctor's regenerative powers or the Doctor realises that having a romantic relationship with a human can be a dangerous thing. And so it was almost a defence mechanism to turn into an older man who Clara wouldn't find attractive. Yeah. And then, of yeah, course, maybe, yeah. Capaldi into... And then Capaldi into Jody. Capaldi's doctor could be quite, you know, intense and, like, steely. And so then he turned into the much more kind of jovial, bubbly Jody. Yeah, that's a cool theory. I like that one. Um, do you want to move yeah. on and get everybody into the Watch Along episode this week? Oh, yeah, we need to do the transition. Um, yeah. Just give me hmm. a minute, Harry. I'm just going to move my microphone stand, which is made out of a particular type of material. Really? What, what kind of material is it, Tim? It's made out of steel, Harry. A lot of things are made out of steel nowadays, aren't they? Yeah, we're re- living in a real age of steel. Oh, I've just realised that's not the first one. The first one's the Rise of the Cybermen. 
Speaking of Rise of the Cybermen. <laughs> Enjoy, guys. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Shut up. Shut up. Shut the video pop up. from the Daleks. All listeners are demanded to subscribe to our Patreon. Subscribe or you will be exterminated. Seek, locate, subscribe. What's the point in having you all? Uh, you just listened to a load of fun jingles telling you to subscribe to the podcast and they should, shouldn't they, Harry? Absolutely, absolutely. Like, I subscribed to the podcast, best decision of my life. Everything's gone up since then, you know? Because you, you weren't even on the podcast. You subscribed and I let you come on as a special treat. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And mm. he's completely overstayed his welcome. Anyway, we're doing the Doctor Who Watch Along. We're doing Doctor Who Series 2, Episode 5 and 6, which are called What, Harry? Uh, the Rise of the Cybermen and Age of Steel, both by Tom McRae. That's true. Um, yeah, we normally, when we get to some some two parties, we tend to split up and we do individually, but usually the mid-season, there tends to be a two-part, Aliens of London. Um, what was this, what's the second part of that called? Aliens, oh, World War Three and Aliens of London, and now this way we'll do them together. Maybe when we get to the end of the season, we'll split the uh, those two specials up. Because yeah, we're still that, to that get sense. we're still to get to the episode that introduced me to Doctor Who. We still haven't got there yet. Oh, I never saw I this go know. out. We still haven't got there. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So we'll start with Rise of the Cybermen. Um, starts with the great, the late great Roger Lloyd Pack, who played Trigger in Only Fools and Horses, now playing John Lumick, the crazed creator of the Cybermen. Um, one thing that I noticed is, obviously, because this is parallel Earth, that these Cybermen are brand new. There's never been yeah. Cybermen before. Like, they're being created from scratch. Yeah, and obviously that gave them the opportunity of this alternate Earth for them to play with the idea of what if humans created the Cybermen. Yeah. Because I know... I mean, I don't know about exactly how the timeline and origin of the Cybermen works, because I know, like, the very originals are obviously from Mondas... But then I don't know if all the Cybermen from the classic series after that were also from Mondas or if they were from different planets. I'm not too sure. I think it's implied that they're from Mondas and they just evolved. So you might get new Cybermen that aren't from Mondas, but they evolve from the ones that are. It's not like yeah. Daleks where they are made on Scarrow. It's like Cybermen right. okay, so they like... made wherever. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah because... It, that said, it's still my understanding is that Cybermen have always been people that have been mm. turned into robots. I believe that's true. It could be completely wrong on that, but that's always been that's my right. understanding. That's so it's true. fun that they've. It's sort of strange yet fun that they've kept that element of the story. But I guess that is what the Cybermen actually are. That's what makes them slightly yeah. scary. I mean, it's a very similar concept to the Daleks, isn't it? Because weren't the Daleks originally? a more humanoid creature that were then converted into those kind of um, robot machines. Yeah, I don't think the idea was to always have them be actual alien beings inside a robotic shell. 
I think they were just meant to be um, robots. Oh, really? Uh, I don't I Generally, I, I, that's my understanding. I wouldn't want to uh, say that for sure. <laughs> I believe that. I believe I might be creating that. Uh, so we cut to we go to the inside of the TARDIS with the Doctor and Rose and Mickey, with Mickey holding his little button. Uh, the first thing I noticed is that the TARDIS chair's moved. It's now at the other side of the TARDIS, so that threw me off. As an ad- avid fan of Doctor Who, I found it disgusting that they should uh, they should move the chair. I also thought the Doctor's being a bit of a dick towards Mickey. Yeah, um, the Doctor's kind of gone back to his kind of ninth Doctor ways of kind of completely belittling. Well, not bl- it's not really him like actively belittling Mickey as much as it's just total ambivalence towards him. Like, yeah. Throughout this episode, he's constantly forgetting about or just dismissing Mickey. Yeah, no. It's, yeah, I, I don't it's know about you, but... Where what, Mickey is, go on, go on. It's kind of, we'll get to this later, it's kind of got to a point where Mickey's almost kind of taken advantage of the fact that he's overlooked by the Doctor. Yeah. There's I, a real awareness of that in this episode. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of this series and thinking... How would this have played if it was Christopher Eccleston's Doctor? Because I imagine some of these stories were written for Chris, and then you know whatever happened happened, and they had to switch it to David. Some of the episodes I think fit really well with David, and I struggle to see Chris in them. But an episode like this, I think, would have fitted the Ninth Doctor really well. Absolutely, I think the one bit for me that really struck me as kind of something that the Ninth Doctor would have very comfortably fit into is when they go to the alternate Earth, at the parallel Earth. And Rose sees the advert of Pete Tyler, and he's the Doctor straight up. That's not your dad. Your dad's dead. This yeah. isn't your dad. Yeah. That felt very, very reminiscent of the Ninth Doctor. Yeah. Um, hasn't Rose learned her lesson about meeting her father yet? I know we saw him in the last series, and it was a very moving, strong episode. I want to touch on that a little bit, but surely she's learned that it doesn't always end well. I don't know. I guess the way Rose would process this is that went badly because it was the past and time travel. This isn't even my own timeline. So the same thing surely can't happen, right? Yeah. Because at first, the 10th Doctor is sort of really against it. He's like, no, you cannot, you cannot. But then when they're standing, sitting outside the party, he's like, oh, well, I could sneak us in. And I'm like, Where, where's his like boundary line? Like, what's his? I don't get what his deal is here. He doesn't. He knows they shouldn't go in, but he can't resist it. I feel like he kind of shifts the goalposts depending on his own interests and what he's pursuing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Going back to Mickey a little bit, he's on the ball a lot of this episode, isn't he? A lot of the stuff he says is right. Mm. Like when they get out the TARDIS and he grabs the newspaper and he's like. Apart, apart from the blimps in the sky, he's like, what are we all worrying about? We're in London, this is the date, this is where we are, this is what this means. If I t- When he takes his finger off the TARDIS, it instantly blows up. <laughs> yeah, we've got to see some uh, some original uh, CGI of the TARDIS here, didn't we? Of it falling out of the time vortex. Yeah, we had, yeah that, uh, I, did, I did sort of puck up for that shot and sort of look at it where it's got that sort of blue explosion behind it instead of just using the generic opening title sequence. Yeah, I feel like that along with all the um, kind of blimps, this felt like one of the uh, episodes which definitely got prioritised when it came to the budget. Yeah. Um, everybody's wearing AirPods. Everyone's wearing fun Cybermen AirPods. 
But the, I like the fact that this would have been 2006 and that would have been seen as like really cool. But now yeah. I'm wearing, I, as we talk, I'm wearing in-ear wired headphones, which are smaller than the ones that they use in the show, which are wireless. <laughs> um, Jackie Tyler, what do you think to the new Jackie? She's, uh, I mean, she's she's definitely not. Although, like, the Temp Doctor goes on about how Pete isn't Rose's dad, Jackie is definitely not Rose's mum in this one. Yeah, there's that contrast. I, I feel like Jackie is more different to Earth Jackie than Pete was when we last saw him in Father's Day. Yeah, absolutely. There's absolutely. definitely... But maybe that's because we've seen Jackie more, we know more about her. Maybe if we got to know Pete Tyler more, we would sort of maybe see some more differences, but we only knew him for 45 minutes in that Paul Cornell episode, and that's it. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. I, mean, I feel like, of what we see of Pete here compared to Father's Day, he's definitely got that same kind of well-intentioned spirit. Mm. The only difference is that this one's less of a screw-up, because he's actually managed to <laughs> make something of one of his wild schemes. Mm. Um, the Cybermen have some great music, and they always have great music, especially in Tomb of the Cybermen, with that do, 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 do. But especially in this, they have some really good music in this. I know we haven't really talked much about Murray Gold's music. We talked about it in the very first episode, but if we were to talk about every single score that he does for Doctor Who, this that would be a whole separate podcast. Yeah, it would sound like a broken record because every episode would be like fantastic music from Murray Gold. Yeah. But no, I think you're right. We should draw attention to the kind of Cybermen mo- motif that they establish here is very effective. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of characters in this, isn't there? The first 10 minutes were introduced to New Jackie, New Rose. Uh, sorry, New Jackie, New Pete, Mickey, the Doctor, Rose, John Lumick, his assistant, the assistant who gets killed. <laughs> That's eight new characters in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Oh, and not to mention the uh, the president of England. The president, the president of the UK. The president of the UK. I want, I've never seen that actor in anything else. I only haven't, I've only ever seen him in this. Um, you know, because um, this episode actually early on answered one of our questions about um, Aliens of London and World War Three. Does it? We were asking about whether or not, yeah, because um, we were asking. I think we even mentioned it in the last. No, we mentioned it in the uh, Revolution of the Daleks trailer reaction yeah. about whether or not the Prime Minister in that one was meant to be Tony Blair, and here when. Um, Vicky's talking about the parallel Earths, he says, so this could be a place where Tony Blair was never elected. Yeah, so, so they sort of mean, seem to come and go, don't they? they uh, sometimes they seem to side with it, and sometimes they don't. I know Doctor Who doesn't very much touch on politics, but I suppose if you had to label it as a political show, it would more be a left-wing Labour yeah. type of show. So maybe that's why in recent years... Where we, for for instance, when we talked about Revolution of the Daleks, we talked about the the Prime Minister in that is very Theresa May like, but is clearly not Theresa May. Mm. And maybe that's because they're on a right. I don't know. I don't know. Um, the scene where the Doctor kicks the TARDIS, and Mickey's response is, "Did that hurt?" And he's like, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> no, there there are a few kind of exclusive. Um... 10th Doctor Mickey interactions and those I really enjoy. Like the ones I'm just kind of chilling in the TARDIS. Yeah. They feel like, quite... Mm. Yeah, there's lots, isn't there? Sorry, go on. No, go on. Go for it. They just feel quite just grounded and refreshing and just like nice because it's really... This is the only chance you really 
get for the 10th Doctor and Mickey to have a bit of a chin wag. So yeah. It's cool yeah, it is a bit. It? With the knife doctor, you get bits of it, but it's the same sort of just kicking Mickey down all the time. Um, do we meet Ricky in this episode? Do we meet Ricky? Yeah, we do meet Ricky in this episode, don't we? Towards the end, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, well, okay, we can talk about Ricky a little bit because the reason I want to bring Ricky up is because the ninth doctor repetitively calls Mickey Ricky. Oh, yeah. It does. And I've always wondered, is there something there? Has the Ninth Doctor met Ricky before? And maybe Big Finish could explore something like that when they have the Ninth Doctor. But I've always thought that seems too much of a coincidence for Russell not to notice that he's called Mickey Ricky twice over two seasons. Well, if, like we said, this was an episode written originally with the Ninth Doctor in mind, I imagine they would have worked some kind of joke in there. Yeah. Um, like, I can imagine, like, they could have very easily done it, but, like, the Ninth Doctor would actually just really warm up to Ricky and just <laughs> to kick Mickey down even more, just, like, become really chummy with Ricky. He's like, oh, this guy's great. <laughs> Do you like him, Rose? He's better than... He's real nice. He should go on a date. He's, like, <laughs> setting him up all the time. <laughs> hey, uh... Did you know if uh, Ricky's single? <laughs> uh, did you notice that when... Rose's phone connects to the blimp and she's shown that video message on her phone. The video message is a JPEG, which is a picture format. It's 2006. People don't know how computers work, Tim. It's okay. <laughs> it's in big letters. It says, like, welcome.jpeg. <laughs> um, I mean, pick up on the Torchwood reference. I don't know what oh, sorry, JPEG... Go on. I don't know what a JPEG was in 2006. Probably because I was six, but, you know... <laughs> Um, did you uh, pick up on the Torchwood reference? I didn't. See, I thought this episode didn't have any Torchwood references. It has the one Torchwood reference when Rose is on her phone, and just as she puts it in her pocket, you hear the newsreader mention Torchwood. Oh, that's interesting. Which establishes a Torchwood on a parallel Earth. I'll just make a note of that, because... And that's something I want to come back to at the end. Yeah. Um, and that means the Torchwood on the parallel Earth isn't a big kind of hush or secret, because obviously, as we saw in the Christmas invasion in our Earth, Harriet Jones, like the way she talks about Torchwood shows, it's very much something that the public aren't supposed to know about, and not even she's meant to know about. Yeah. So it's a much more public thing in this uh, parallel Earth, I guess. Yeah. Another character we're introduced to in Rise of the Cybermen is Andrew Hayden Smith as Jake. Um, a character I always really liked as a kid for some reason. I think it's because he looks cool. He's bl- he's quite young. He's got blonde, spiky hair. He wears like cool black outfits and he just runs around just sort of being slightly badass all the time. He's also played, like I said, by Andrew Hayden Smith, who at the time of me watching Doctor Who was also a presenter on CBBC. He was like oh, their Ian Sterling, I guess, or whatever it is now. I don't know who presents CBBC now, but name, I didn't watch a ton of CBBC growing up. At least not the stuff of presenters. Did they make a big deal about the fact he, he was going to be? Well, do you remember? I don't know because I wasn't watching Doctor Who at the time. Watching... Well, oh, of course you. No, were. I do join at some no. point. <laughs> But um, not yet. No, so I, I might. They may have done, but I honestly can't remember. Um, yeah. So, did you also hear the fact that when Mickey goes to see his gran, is it his granny goes to see or his aunt? Yeah, it's either his gran or his nan. I think yeah. it's his gran. Yeah. Um, 
when he's like trying to talk to those army officers, they're like, "Of course you can go through. The curfew's not lifted yet." And I was like, "Oh, more foreshadowing of what's to come. We've already had quarantined hospitals, face masks, and disinfectant, and now we've got curfews as well." I mean, you know, at least we don't have military action here yet. Yet, <laughs> if we go to a third lockdown. I mean, no. some, is it tomorrow that we technically come out of lockdown? Um, the second of December. Yeah, because we're recording on December first. Although Did you want to your advent calendar today? Ah, no, I've not got an advent calendar. Oh, I've got one. I opened it. It was nice. It's, it's the oh, first time I've. It's the first time I've been on my own with an advent calendar. The temptation just to eat it all in one go has never been um, stronger. <laughs> oh, what uh, what theme is it? It's just a boring Cadbury's one with Father Christmas on. Ah, the Cadbury's are good chocolate, man. Like, yeah, it's good chocolate, but it doesn't. Good. Okay, here's my thing with calendar Christmas cal- advent calendars. Is they should go up to Christmas Day. It should go up to yeah, the twenty fourth, don't they? It should go up to the twenty fifth, and the last chocolate should be the biggest. In these Cadbury's ones, they're not. They go up to the twenty fourth, and it's the same size throughout. So what's the point? Yeah, because there are some like that are really cool. Where on the twenty fifth, you have like a special little small like I don't know. Yeah, because usually you know like something like the Lego ones always have like a Lego minifig or something. I mean, yeah. I said the Lego ones were on another level because there's a little something in each one of those. Yeah, exactly. Lego having calendars are on another level. <laughs> uh, the street where they're walking down, where they take, where everybody suddenly stops and the Doctor and Rose are looking at their Rose's phone, it says they're downloading music, jokes, sports, everything to their headsets. I've been on that street. Really? Yeah. Is it in Cardiff? Yeah, it's in Cardiff. Like when I was younger, my parents took me to the Doctor Who exhibitions in Cardiff. And if you went into the, I think it's called the Millennium Dome, or not the Millennium Dome, what's it called? Um, you know, like the big build, you know where the Torchwood Tower is, and there's that building opposite with that, like almost like gold arch that comes out of it. It's like a really weirdly yeah. shaped building. If we went yeah. in there, because that's where they filmed New Earth. And in there, they were giving out like Doctor Who maps where you could go around Cardiff and go to all the different filming locations. And we ended up there. There's a picture of me somewhere standing on the same street. And you can see the phone box in the background. Uh, Anyway, uh, yeah, I made another note here. We can go back to it a little bit. Is that the ninth Doctor? I know the tenth Doctor gets them inside the party. I don't think the ninth Doctor would have even let them go inside. You don't think so? No, I don't think he would have. I think they would have just been straight, stay in the TARDIS. We're not messing around with this again because we remember what happened last time. I mean, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Whereas uh, the Tenth Doctor is very much, all right, let's go walk about a bit. Yeah. What do you think to the effects with Mickey and Ricky with having them both in the same scene? I mean, it works for me because I never kind of. I never thought much about it. There was only one scene, I think, which was in the second path where it just kind of briefly crossed my mind, huh, these effects are pretty good. <laughs> so I think they were pretty seamless, but they didn't even like cross my mind during watching. Yeah, they're not too bad. There's one bit that stood out to me, and it's when Mickey's tied to the chair and Ricky's walking behind him. As, as Ricky walks behind him, you see a... Like, when you're looking at just Mickey, you don't see it, but it's not until someone walks behind him that it's highlighted, is that there's a very thin green outline around Mickey. And there's Uh, a light source coming, as you're watching it, from an audience point of view, it's on the left. It's on the character's right, the audience's left, light across his face. 
And as Ricky passes it, the light doesn't go out. It's still on his side of his face, even though it should have gone out because Mick, because Ricky's what's in front of the light. Okay. But okay. That's... So was it kind of like one of those? Was it? Um, I don't know if he was shown in confidential. Was it one of those things where it was uh, two separate shots at the same angle that are then kind of spliced together? Yeah, I believe how they did it was they filmed um, Noel Clark sat on the chair in front of a green screen on the set. And then changed Noel Clark into different clothing and just had him walk around the space and then just cropped Mickey into it. Yeah. But there's like footage of them doing it on like... playbacks where you can see what well, like they're watching it back on the monitor and it's already edited on the monitor. So they're like editing oh. it. So which is why he can get so close to Mickey. Ricky can get so close to Mickey because they can see it on the monitor and guide Noel Clark where to go. Did he use like a body double or and um, they did for some of it, yeah. When it's like looking over his shoulder, it's his body double. And there's another thing oh. confidential where you see them both getting the same haircuts and <laughs> hanging out together, which is quite cool. Um, it's the first time we see the doctor, the tenth doctor, anyway, in a different suit. Yes, is this the same kind of James Bondish suit that we've seen stuff like the Lazarus experiment? I think so. Yeah, I like to think it is, especially like Voyage of the Damned. I always like to think it's the same, same just yeah. tux he has. Is he wearing? Is he still wearing the um, the um, high tops? The uh, I think trainers? he's wearing Converse's, but he's wearing black ones now instead of the white ones. Yeah, because it's it's interesting how kind of like Tuxedo Tenth Doctor has almost kind of taken on a life of its own. It has a bit, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's compared like... to I can't really think of I can't think of an equivalent. I mean, obviously the Ninth Doctor didn't really dress up much, but I can't think of an equivalent for, say, um, Matt Smith or Capaldi, where they, because they definitely wore different kind of costumes, like one-time costumes, but none of them have kind of had the uh, kind of attention that something like Tuxedo Tenant has had. That's true. Did you pick up on the line where Rose is serving at the party? She says, I've had enough of this back home. I instantly thought, first of all, when was the last time Rose went home and went to work? Secondly, when she is at home, she, she works in a shop. She didn't serve food to people. Was it... When did she say that? Was that in response to something someone said? or? Yeah, it's when they're walking out carrying the trays, and she's like, we're waiters. It's like, if you want to know what's going on, you work in the kitchen. And then she says, I've had enough of serving people back home, or something like that. But Rose hasn't been home since... Last time we saw her at home was Christmas, and then the time we saw her working before that was probably the st- was twelve months because she goes missing for twelve months. So it's been around yeah. two years since she's been to work. <laughs> yeah, and I imagine when she is home, I don't bet. I bet Jackie doesn't like let her get a job or anything. No, he's like, "Oh, you want me having for a short time, Rose? I'm going to pamper you." Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I don't know what she's on about. Um, uh, what other notes do I have here? Um, it's called Rise of the Cybermen yet they seem to keep the Cybermen hidden for the majority of the episode but they put the title of the villain in the episode title do you think that Age of the title should have maybe been swapped around have this one be called Age of Steel and be a bit more vague about yeah. it until the Cybermen were revealed yeah because the second episode is the rise of the Cybermen they are recruiting new Cybermen they're rising whereas Age of Steel hides the element of that they are Cybermen. It makes the reveal at the end slightly better. 
then again, the next time promo bits always give away the monster. Yeah, I guess like, you're right. The promo for Dalek shows the Dalek go exterminate. The promo for this had they were telling me, like, it's Cybermen, and you see the Cybermen marching. Yeah. Um, even though it's a par- my understanding of parallel Earth is that everything is the same, but everything is completely different. Yeah. But not everything is completely different. Some things are exactly the same. Mm. Like, if it was parallel Earth, surely Pete and Jackie wouldn't have been married. The, the, the parallel of marriage is divorce. Oh, but they are divorced. Yeah. They are divorced, aren't they? they but they're keeping it a secret when Pete talks to Rose at the party. Of course, yeah. Yeah. My apologies, yeah, Russell. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you were picking, picking out the important bits. And <laughs> um, Rose seems okay with her dad this time. She doesn't seem that phased by the fact it's her dad. She's just like casually talking to him, like she maybe hasn't seen him for a couple of months. But she's mm. not like. Oh, Do wish she had a bit more of a reaction. I feel like. Okay, what do you think of this episode? These two episodes with the inclusion of Pete Tyler in hindsight with what we saw in Father's Day. I feel if we didn't have Father's Day, these two episodes would be slightly more impactful, but because Father's Day was so good that Mm. it sort of loses some of its impact. Yeah, I wonder if it was kind of a conscious decision of, all right, we're not going to hit that same emotional peak that we hit with Father's Day, so let's not even try and do something completely different with Pete. Yeah, I guess you're right, though, because he was a good character. And I remember saying to you at the time, I was going, it's a shame we never see this Pete Tyler again. We don't see this version mm. of him. And to say they're the same actor, and it's only a year later in production-wise, the look of the character looks so different. He looks a lot older in um, mm. Rise Absolutely. of the Simon as he does in Father's Day. In Father's Day, he does look like he could. he's in his early 30s. In this, he looks like he's in his mid-40s. Yeah. It's kind of crazy what you can do with just a small bit of a... Haircut. <laughs> yeah, haircut, makeup. Goes a long way. I mean, look at me, like, I, I grew up... Mm. So you grew a beard, I mean, beard. Can't... <laughs> Yeah, like, if I don't have a beard, I look like... I mean, I don't know how old I look to you with a beard, but without a beard, I look like 18. Um, A scene that I really liked is when Rose sits down with Jackie and they just start talking. But then very quickly, yeah. Jackie gets very defensive and they she gets properly angry and nasty towards Rose. That's quite tricky to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because obviously to Rose, Jackie back home is like her mum, the person who loves her more than anyone in the world and who would do anything for her. And so for her to suddenly be corner, you know, this and that and saying, stay out of my life. Yeah. Um. The uh, okay, so here's a d- debatable topic: not episode quality. I'm talking the quality of the monster and the store and the actual, the actual monster itself, not the episodes they've been in. I would say the Cybermen are better than the Daleks. Okay, this is. <laughs> I think I've had this conversation with friends. Where I think conceptually the Cybermen are more interesting than the Daleks. Because yeah. whereas the Daleks are just kind of, you know, this pure evil race that wants to kind of, you know, annihilate all other life forms that are non-Dalek, the Cybermen came from a place of, like, you know, preservation, preserving life. But yeah. then it's gone to a point where it's, the Cybermen are so desperate for survival 
that they've sacrificed everything that makes them, you know, human, everything that makes life worth living. And so on a conceptual level, although they're quite similar monsters in a lot of ways, I think the Cybermen are more interesting than the Daleks. I think in terms of their use, at least in New Who that I've seen, I feel like the Daleks have very often been given kind of the lion's share of more interesting stories or bigger stories. But I feel like there's definitely the potential for the Cybermen to have stories like those and exceed them. Yeah, I just feel like, so we have this, then we have the next Doctor, and then there's a couple of Smith episodes with Cybermen, but none of them really seem to capture what the Cybermen actually is. It's like, oh, we'll just put the Cybermen in this episode because it's fun to do. To be honest, the closest we've probably gotten is um, the stuff from Series 12 that we've just had. Yeah, they're also uh, the best-looking Cybermen as well. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I feel like that was overshadowed a bit by all the Timeless Children stuff. Perhaps yeah. the Series 12 finale was trying to take on a little bit too much. If they just focused on maybe getting a really good Cyberman story, then maybe we'd maybe Excuse have me, the Harry, best one. What series are we talking about right now? I was about to bring it back to this, because I was going to say that, that could have potentially been it. the best... You are pushing your position at this podcast. I was just going to say that I thought that could have had potential to be the best Cyberman story we've had in New Who, but currently I feel like the one we've just had, uh, Rise of the Cybermen and Age of Steel, I feel like this is the best Cyberman story that New Who has had. So, so we'll just skip all Cyberman future stories then, shall we? Should we not do those anymore, Harry? Should we not bother? No, 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 no. they have their merits, you know, sick. James Gordon's like in a shopping centre uh, in one of them. It's your punishment, we're now going to do a quiz. Oh, already? Okay. Okay, question number one. What is the maximum amount of time the Doctor thinks Mickey has had his finger on that button for? What do you I, mean? Like, you know, okay. I, As in how long has Mickey had his hand on the button? Or Okay, so here's the thing. I've picked three questions here. All of them I think are very easy, right? Yeah. The do- when Mickey asked the Doctor how long could I have taken when could I have taken my finger off this button and the Doctor goes through he says five minutes ten minutes and so on what's the highest number the Doctor says? 29 yes <laughs> you got one that's why I had to clarify because I knew the answer I just had to clarify exactly <laughs> to make sure <laughs> okay so we've got one out of three let's see if we can get all three when Rose sees the advert for her father selling his fizzy drinks, what flavoured drink is he holding? It says it on the poster. Cherry. Yes! <laughs> Two out of three. Can we get three out of three? Maybe the how, first time. How old does Jackie Tyler say she is? 39. Yeah! <laughs> It's only taken nearly two seasons. (laughs) But you finally got three out of three. And that means we never have to do a quiz again, right? Because if I get one of them perfect, we're all going to be perfect now, right? Um, Age of Steel, the follow-up episode. Do you want to go straight into that one? (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, um, I thought the the way they concluded the ending of The Rise of the Simon was such a cop-out. It, I found it kind of it was such a cop out 
that it kind of came around to not being a cop-out. Because <laughs> there's this whole thing of, like, the technology was cornered, like, you're going to be deleted. And then he... What does he do? Does he he pulls out some screwdriver and it looks like he pulls, like out, he pulls out the little it pulls out the little green thing that him and Mickey find. Was that it? Oh, from inside the TARDIS. Yeah. So that was some residual TARDIS energy that then disintegrated the Cybermen. Yeah. Wait, so you're telling me that like the Doctor could just have like a little bit of that bad wolf power just on the go for any adventure? That would yeah. To be fair, he could couldn't he just defeat like I mean, thirty Cybermen? He could just put it back in at the end. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be incredibly helpful you know imagine all the uh all the little um you know corners they could have got out of if he just whipped out the tardis energy um i had a question is why don't they just drive into the cybermen what do you think would happen do you think they'd all fall over or do you think they're like like, like that bit in batman versus superman where Batman drives into Superman and Superman doesn't move and the car bounces off Superman. Do you feel like it'd be like that? Or do you think, or do you think they would just fall over? I feel like the Cybermen, I don't know. I don't know. Either the Cybermen would be just like completely toppled over or they'd like just punch a hole in the car and like pull someone out. That would be so sick. Like, you know, like Terminator. You know, like the way that Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator just grab stuff in midair and it just stops. Yeah. That's what they should do with Cybermen is make a more Terminator. Mm. Uh, That's very fitting. Yeah. I really liked Ricky's death. The way afterwards Mickey turns around and he looks and there's oh, it's just there's no music, there's no sound. It's just Cybermen looking back at him through this metal gate, and that and yeah, he's and thinking he gives such a glare. Yeah, they do. They like they don't do anything. They just stand. But you know they're thinking. How the fuck are we going to get out of this? <laughs> How are we going to get him now? <laughs> yeah. Um, That's great, because they, they could have gone very over the top and had Mickey have a big, like, no, Ricky! But no, they downplayed it, and I feel like that really paid off. Yeah. He got that great moment. Um, da, 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 da. Um, Helen Griffins, who plays Mrs. Moore... I think she's a really good fun character in this second episode. It's a shame we don't get much more of her in Rise of the Cybermen. Yeah. She has, uh, yeah, she has some cool moments until she's disposed of. I really like her death, though. I think it's really good and unexpected because you think it's going to come when they're trying to climb up the ladder and through the drain. Yeah, well, she'll make some sacrifice, but no, she just gets taken too soon. Yeah. Um being chased in the tunnel, I love that scene. It's great where she thinks one of them's moved, and there's that shot of like 30 Cybermen one by one just turning to the camera. Um, what else do we have here? Oh, I must say that, that, that when we see them recruiting people and being turned into Cybermen, and you see all like the Edward Scissorhand needles and scissors coming down like that, yeah, the CGI is terrible. No, that's probably. <laughs> Uh, that's probably the lowest quality CGI in the whole series. Yeah. I think part of it is that we don't really get a sense of places exactly where those things are meant to be. We don't see it in relation to any real objects or people, so it just feels a bit just disconnected from the rest of the scene. Yeah, I remember seeing that as a kid. Like the first time I saw that, I remember thinking, "That's terrible. <laughs> it looks so bad." I was only like seven. But I knew it didn't look good because it's then followed by a scene of like two Cybermen like stomping and turning around and the camera pulls back. 
And I remember looking at them and thinking, it looks like something straight from a video game. It just didn't look very good. But then, like, we have werewolves running around that look fantastic. Yeah. Um, Mickey responds to being called an idiot by the doctor. The doctor's going on this big ramble about how anyone can say me goes, any old idiot with a phone. And then Mickey's like, well, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Like, I got here and getting out of this response, like, idiot. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I did think that, like, it's such a good episode for Mickey. But then it's like, yeah. oh, wait, that's me. I'm an idiot. I'm the tin dog, which gets called back in this episode as well. He mentions that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the cyber controller I think it's such a cool looking design I remember having the action figure of that sat in his chair with all the pipes coming in I thought it looked oh, amazing what kind, of, what kind of functionality did the toy Cyberman sat in the chair have did he like have voice clips or he could come out like, the chair he was an action figure and the chair was an accessory Oh, okay. He wasn't okay. fastened to the chair <laughs> otherwise it would be a bit sad it's not like the Cassandra <laughs> dolls or anything like that does the, does the cyber leader have any a, different design to the other Cybermen? I can't remember. He has the brain in his head, doesn't he? The brain exposed, that was it, yeah. But he also, I think he's been, it's like he's a classic character as well. It's not the first time he's appeared, and each time he's appeared he's had either like a massive big dome head, or Mm. um, the the exposed brain. I always thought the the exposed brain story looks great. I think it's a really good look. Yeah, I think it's cool. You should try it on yourself. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've never known what to do with my hair, so... <laughs> Shave it. Cut your scalp over and expose your brain. Um, what did you think to the cyber controller when he realises everybody's escaped and he just lets, lets out this massive Darth Vader style No! Uh, I just I find that a whole fun sequence. Um, <laughs> is it bad that I find the whole sequence everyone escapes and like the Cybermen or kind of like their emotional, um, what are they called? The emotional um, like yeah. suppressors are like turned off. Um, I hate to say this because the ep- the bit where I was introduced in the hallway with um, the woman who's gonna get married the next day that's really effective and that's really kind of that's a really cool kind of dark moment yeah. when like she saw about how cold she is yeah but when but then, but when all their emotions get expressed they're all like doing this like they're yeah. dancing they've got like their heads yeah. next the to bit, their hands <laughs> the bit, i don't know why i find this funny um the bit where like one of them's like looking in the mirror himself and like, then the time's was just like i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh. Oh, yeah, because Sam was like, <laughs> I don't know, like, it kind of reminded me of, like, I don't know, like, <laughs> E.T. or something, with the way it moved and looked at itself. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like E.T. when he's drunk and he's going around and he's, like, just stumbling around making weird noises. <laughs> Uh, I do like Doctor Who, I promise, I promise. It's just like, that felt a little goofy to me. <laughs> um, I, I, one note I've made about this episode, so it's a very ambitious two-part episode. I don't necessarily know if it pays off as well as they thought it would, but it's very ambitious. Yeah, it's very action-packed compared to uh, what you usually get from Doctor yeah. Who. I think it works. I think the episode's fun. I think it's fun. And it does have beats that kind of hit, like I said. I feel like 
there are some bits that are a little bit cheesy, just a little bit cheesy, but it's yeah. still fun. It's still fun. Um, one thing that does really hit well in the episode is the very ending with Mickey deciding he's going to stay on the parallel Earth. Now, I've seen this episode yeah. countless times, but I think it's one of the only times I've watched it in continuation with the rest of the series. And it really did catch me. I started to feel really like choked up about it, even though, sorry, uh, knowing that Mickey was leaving and the sort of, the way he says to Rose, we had something a long time ago, but we don't anymore. Because she says, what if I need you? And it sort of really highlighted the fact that she doesn't love Mickey. She's just sort of thinks she loves him, but she's just kind of using him as like her earth friend. So when she comes back, she has someone to talk to. Yeah. No, it it felt it was a very earned moment, I feel. Especially with kind of Rose's reaction. That felt very kind of authentic. And it it really worked because it's kind of this thing where even though Mickey had realized that him and Rose weren't a thing and he'd let go, but Rose hadn't come to that realization herself yet. Yeah. And um, no, it was cool. It was a great moment. I really, I really would have loved, and I, I imagine you can do it now with Be Finished, but a spin off with Jake and Mickey going around the world just battling Cybermen and taking down different cyber di- different you know um, Cybus Industries blimps and just slowly ridding the world of Cybermen in that van. Yeah, kind of just a little mini series between the end of this episode and the start of the series finale. That'd be cool. Yeah. Just kind um, of connecting those dots. Yeah. The reason I wrote down earlier about a parallel torture is I'm not going to mention it too much because I really want to do a video on cancelled Doctor Who ideas. But after series two, there was an idea to have Rose Tyler have her own spin-off, which would have taken place in the parallel Earth where she would have joined that um, parallel Earth version of Torchwood. So we'd have had two Torchwood shows? Yeah, that's what I thought. Because Torchwood was on by this point, as far as I'm aware. Um, I was think it? it was... Had Torchwood already... Shall I have a quick look? I thought Torchwood started after, between series two and three. Torchwood. Because obviously the events of the series finale have already unfolded by that point, haven't they? Haven't Torchwood, they? Fir- Torchwood first aired in 2006, the 22nd of October, 2006. So that will have been after this series concluded. Series two uh, dates. Doctor Who series two aired the 15th of April and finished on the 8th of July. So yeah, after series two. So yeah, I imagine they scrapped that and then gave Jack his series instead because it makes much more sense. Are we uh, after series? Are we going to take after series two? Um, before series three, are we going to go through all of Torchwood? Well, I was debating this. Do we go through all of Torchwood or do we just do a series overview? Maybe just a series overview. Yeah. Well, that being said, if we're going to watch all of Torchwood, oh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll wait. I do have some um, our followers. Sorry, go on. I think it depends on how we feel about Torchwood when we watch it. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. We've got some thoughts from our followers over on Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram. Bigger on the pod. Um, uh, why is why is my phone going off? I don't care who's just posted what. Um, about. What people's thoughts on these these um, two episodes were? Um, what do we have here? Um, Dalek who underscore life said one of my favourite new who episodes, definitely in my top ten. Alex Pierce two said it's fantastic. Tardis girl X left a load of sad faces. Harrison said it was a decent episode. Um, 
Oh, goodness sake. <laughs> yep, someone else said, underrated, to be honest. Alternative Universe, Pete and the gang are all good. And Sam Lanter said, pretty good. The second part feels a bit like a series finale, which I like. So, yeah, a lot of love for these two episodes. But let's see how much attention you are paying, um, Harry, as we do with the second quiz. You, you, not me. I hate being patient. Patience is for wimps. Oh, yeah. <laughs> love that jingle. Two times in one episode. Let's go. Um, the doctor asked Mrs. Moore if she has what food in her bag. <laughs> what I'm it... going to get all of these ones wrong, aren't I? Um, I want to say spam. Oh, hot dog. He asked if she's got a hot dog. <sighs> so you got that one completely wrong. What is the name, the human name of the Cyberman who is due to get married? She says her name. Bonus point if you can tell me the husband's name that she says. Is the husband called Keith? Nope, so you're not getting your bonus point. Can you get the main point? What is her name? Uh, Rachel? (laughs) Sally. Last question. Let's see if we get one out of three on this one. Where does um, Jake ask Mickey where he learnt to fly his blimp? What is Mickey's response? Oh, I don't know. Is it like PlayStation or something? It is. Like video game. Gym? It's PlayStation. It's PlayStation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> One out of three. I scribbled it out already because I thought you were going to get it wrong. <laughs> you got four out of six, which isn't too bad. That's not too bad. It, it could be better, but it's not not terrible. Not, not terrible by any means. Uh, if you want to contact the show, you can do various ways. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Bigger on the Pod, YouTube, Big on Inside Podcast, Acast, shows.acast.com for us, that's Big on Inside. Leave us a five star review on iTunes and email the show, Bigger on the Inside Pod at gmail.com. And we're also on um, Instagram as well at Bigger on the Pod, where there's some sort of fun wallpapers up there you can download straight to your phone. Some questions we that we can. Now? Sorry, you have wallpapers now. Yeah, like you got on there. We've got a highlight of all different fun Doctor Who style wallpapers you can use did, straight on your phone. And did you make wallpapers? I don't know. I just found them and I just added them straight to our Instagram oh, okay. feed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I was thinking like you were out there making desktop wallpapers for people. <laughs> um, should we do some recommendations? Before I go, I just want to tell you you were fantastic. Uh, sure. Do you want to go first? Okay, I'll go first. So I'm guessing you need some time to think about what you're going to recommend. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to recommend something I watched just today about how, the reason why we were. I said, give me 20 minutes and I'll be ready. Is I was watching um, Conan O'Brien, the American late night talk show host. He has a show over here on the UK Netflix. I think it's called Conan Without Borders, where he basically oh. travels the world and experiences all this stuff. I'd highly recommend watching the very last episode um, where they go to Italy with his assistant executive producer or whatever called Jordan Polanski or Falansi, I want to say, 
who is just this dead-eyed, very serious man who can't tolerate any of Conan's buffoonery, and they go on this trip to Italy together. And the way Jordan tries to educate and um, enlighten Conan by taking him to all these different Italian places to sort of learn the lingo, how to order certain types of food, the meanings of food, and Conan being this just stupid American who goes around with his fingers pinched at the end going, mozzarella, and just shouting pesto at people in the streets to the annoyance of Jordan because everybody always goes, hey, and claps back at him and says pesto back to him and <laughs> just completely disproves anything that Jordan was ever going to say. So definitely check that out while it's on Netflix in the UK. That sounds great. I love Conan O'Brien. Yeah, he's great. What do you have to recommend, Harrison? Um, Harry? <laughs> I do apologize. We were just thinking of Harrison the whole time when we do his podcasts, aren't we? Well, it's because he left one of the reviews on, on our Instagram. So I was thinking of him. I'm going to see him in about 10 minutes. All right. Are you recording another thing of him? No, I'm going out. Oh, right. Oh. <laughs> okay. I see how it is. Um,. <laughs> Maybe I don't want to record something. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, I'm going to recommend the film, um, the Mayowitz stories. Yeah. Um, it's um, it's on Netflix. It's by the same writer and director. I think his name's Noah Baumbach or Baumbach yeah. or something. Uh, it's the same guy who made a Marriage Story. Um, but this is something he made, I think, the year or a couple of years before. And in my opinion, it's way better than Marriage Story. Oh, really? And it's basically about this... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's about this family unit um, where it's uh, two half-brothers, played by Ben Stiller and Adam Sandler, and their dad, played by Dustin Hoffman. And um, honestly, like, these... So two people have been known mainly as comedic actors, but Ben Stiller and Adam Sandler, this is like kind of a straight... It's a bit of a comedy drama, but it's mostly just a straight drama. And they're really really good like their chemistry is great I mean the dialogue they have for each other is fantastic but it's really really good performances and it's kind of one of those things where it makes me wish um, that you saw them do more straight acting stuff because whenever they do it it's absolutely fantastic yeah absolutely um, fantastic oh god Am I, <laughs> do I sound northern no not really <laughs> You sound you think I'm like in the, I'm in the Midlands right now, and I've been told I do sound northern. So you probably do to the Midlands, a... but you don't sound yeah. totally northern. Not like some northern people I know. Like I think I, I sound, sound slightly like... northern, but certain words I don't pronounce with a northern accent. It's like I know when my brother uh, studied in the south, people would say to him, "You're so northern." So maybe just the more south you are, the more northern you sound. Yeah, but that's only because your brother used to work down a coal mine with a canary. I used to wear a flat cap and carry a br- and carry a chimney sweeping broom with soot on his face. And uh, he used to go. My brother was a miner in the nineteen eighties. Or... And he used to he used to walk around going, "Hello, pet. How do? Did you get milk this morning from milkman?" <laughs> How old do you think my brother is? I don't know. <laughs> Fun though, isn't it? It's a bit silly. We have a bit of a laugh, can't we, Harris? Harry? Of course you are again. Oh dear me. Anyway, thank you. <laughs> I don't like this. I don't like it. I want to go home. Oh well, we'll end this podcast now. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll um 
I think we're going to do uh, what we normally do mid-season is then do a break from the watch along. We'll just do a week of random videos on the YouTube channel. So if you listen to this on the uh, um, on your podcast feed, head over to the YouTube channel because we have lots of fun videos that might not necessarily make it over onto the podcast feed. So go and check that out. But then the week after that, we'll be back with what, Harry? We will be back with uh, The Idiot's Lantern. Yep, that's right. By Mark Gatiss. Who? Mark Gatiss. No idea. But anyway, it's a shame we won't be returning to the parallel earth anytime soon because I really enjoyed that. So it's a good job that's closed off forever and uh, we won't be going yeah, back there. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame. It was it cool. had a lot of uh, potential. It's a shame that um, after this episode, it was never revisited again, ever. Nope, not at all. That's true. So thanks very much for listening, guys. I'll say goodbye. Bye-bye. Now, do you want to say bye, Harry? Bye-bye. Yeah. Make sure you subscribe to the official Bigger on the Inside podcast.